right. Well, welcome back, friends, uh, and good to be here with you. I'm back. Mike did a few on his own Rogue Table Talk. This is episode number 14 and a very special episode for you. Why is it special, Mike? Well, first of all, you're back from vacation. Thank you very much. That That's exactly yes. what I was looking yes. for. <laughs> yes. So then we're also joined by Susan James. Say hi, Susan. Hello, everyone. He said, say hi. Hi. See how this is going to go. And the three of us are, we've finished Judges, sort of. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about Ruth and how that takes place in the time of the Judges. Uh, real quickly, let me kind of set the table again that Israel's in the promised land during the time of the Judges, but it's it, things have gone poorly. At first, there's this cycle of people doing evil, God raising up a foe, bondage, they cry out, God has mercy, raises up a judge to redeem them, so on. And that circle cycles down. And at the end of the book, the cycle is not even a cycle anymore, and the people don't have a king, and they do as they want. That's the saying, the second recurring saying. In those days, the people had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. So before we um, dive into Ruth, which happens during the time of the judges, maybe a couple of takeaways. Set the table. Like, what, what jumped out at you? What hit you? What struck you during our time going through judges? Anyone? Um, I think for me, what hit me was how, um, assimilated the people of Israel in were into the culture. Mm -hmm. They just allow the culture into them and they got, it got really muddy as far as what they actually believed, what it looked like to be faithful to God. They kind of made up their own rules. Right. And, um, it didn't turn out very well when they did that. Yeah. That struck me too, as well. This whole sort of, for long periods, they were basically indistinguishable from, they were supposed to be this model people, this Mm -hmm. promised land, promised people, show everyone what following God looks like and what worship of God looks like and what following God's law looks like. And it never worked. It just didn't work out. They looked like everybody else. They were supposed to influence their surroundings and instead they were influenced. And that's, of course, applies directly to us in our time, yes. in our time of church. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. I, I, you know, this just came to me, so I don't know how much to make of it, but I think in the beginning, the spiral of decline seems uh, like it's external and there's things going on in circumstances and there's a foreign physical oppressor. And then it, it almost seems like there's a, a gradation to it at the mm-hmm. end. You don't have any external foe. Right. The people have mm-hmm. self-destructed. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of that. Something with, you know, the momentum there carried it so far that, you know, choices that we make maybe can get to a point of, I don't even need any help in self-destruction right. at some point in time. Mm-hmm. I'm, well, I am my own punishment. I am my own destruction yeah. or we are our own punishment or we don't need someone to come in because we're making our own bed and right. punishment is God just lets us lie in it for a while perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a dark time, a disappointing time, maybe a disillusioning time. Uh, and yet during this dark time, we, the story of Ruth happens and, you know, we see God's always moving. God's always working. Uh, you know, it's, this is not her, you know, happening at the level of rulers or armies or 
political movements or something. This is a family story, mm-hmm. but it's a story of redemption and hope and faith. Um, so let me just read the first five verses of Ruth to get us started to set the table. Ruth uh, 1, 1 through 5, <clears throat> in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malin and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with the two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malin and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So this sounds out, you know, sounds like it's a story that fits right into the whole judges, like dark, depressing, bad, uh, to worse. Um, And we don't really have a sense of what's happening here other than there's no kids. All the men die Mm -hmm. and there's left with these three women. Mm -hmm. And of course, in that culture, that the obvious question is now, what do you do? You know, it's hard for uh, three women to right. support themselves and to, to whatever. What are they going to do? Um, and so, uh, rest of chapter one, they decide to go back, or Naomi decides to go back. When, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. So all three of them are on the road going. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Mm. What a commitment. Yes, yes. And so, you know, you get this picture, they're all three going, and Naomi's like, I can't do this to them, sort of. Like, you need to go back. This is selfish of me. You need to go back, live your life in Moab. And, you know, they don't, they obviously love each other very much, and they don't want to leave. Orpah does go back, and Ruth stays. Um, And... Naomi makes a sensible argument to them. So like, how do you sense, like, where's Naomi's heart? What's going on in her heart as she's having this 
as she's urging these these two people she loves very much to go back and basically this is not this is before FaceTime I think I'm pretty clear I'm pretty barely sure a little bit before FaceTime you know so they were never going to see each other again right. this is, I'm, this I'm is goodbye sure forever there was such a conflict within her because she knew she needed them yes she loved them right. obviously she had taught them her ways her God all of that but yet at the same time she thought maybe they had could have a better life if they went back home. Right. You know, we don't know, yeah. but yeah. Well, and then practically speaking, it, they're like Mike said, they're very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. They're very vulnerable economically. Uh, they're very vulnerable physically. And so it just makes way more sense. Go back to your people. You still have a chance. You can become remarried. You can come into the protection economically of a family, a husband. You can be provided for, protected, and all of that. You're coming. However, if you stay with me, I don't have anything to go back to. Right. And she We're, doesn't know what's back there when she gets there. She doesn't know what's back there. there. We're all going to be vulnerable, and I can't protect you and do that. And and you're both foreigners. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, it's uh, Ruth is a great book, but it's also in the time of Judges. So I can't guarantee what's the right. what's it going to be it's, like when you come like back the to the wild west back there yeah. right yeah and i think it's interesting because i do feel like there's there's a lot of things going on people are complicated and there's more than one thing that's going on in them at any time and i think with naomi you know she says but god's turned against me mm -hmm. so part mm -hmm. of this sense of i'm not sure god's with me i can't promise god's going to be with you there's this sense of disillusionment almost mm -hmm. that um she doesn't know whether she's going to have God's protection and provision, and she doesn't want to promise that to um, to these young women. And it's a sense of, we don't know why they went to Moab. We don't know anything. But there is a bit, understandably to some degree, of a, something of a victim narrative that mm. things have gone really bad. Mm -hmm. probably they'll keep going bad. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't stay with me. There's a little bit of that, I think, in there too, or is that just me reading into no, it? No, I think yeah. that's fair, and I'd, I'd like to hear your take on this too, uh, Susan, and, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you do even with this question leading in. Uh, it's fair to say this is significant trauma for her. You go to a foreign land, you're, you're uh, sojourning, you lose your spouse, your sons intermarry, you lose them, so you lost every family member you came with, mm -hmm. uh, husband, two sons, you're coming back. And it seems, I, I don't know how to say it. it. You can understand how someone would interpret this type of loss as therefore God is against me. Right. Absolutely. And practically she feels like she's lost her God too. I mean, how many people do we know something horrible happens? They lose a child, they lose a parent, they lose and they think, you know, where's God in this? Mm -hmm. You know, that's it, exactly it what happens she's all the time. And that's like, what she's yeah. saying. Where's God? Right. Now they might know there is a God, but at that time they feel like they are not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so speaking to the trauma, I am a counselor. Um, and what I have found is it's easy, very easy when you've had a lot of things stacked against you, especially in a fairly short period of time to get in that victim mentality. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that she's probably there right now, but she also probably feels supported by her daughter-in-laws and she's very conflicted in what to do about that. Um, the key here, I feel, is that she decides she's going to go back to her people. So she sat in for a while that um, 
woes me, yeah. I've lost my husband, woes me, I've lost my sons, woes me, I'm going to have to send my daughter-in-law's back because it's the right thing to do. But something in her says, okay, I'm going to own my life. I'm going to go back to where I came from. Mm-hmm. We have land there. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. God's got his hand against me, mm-hmm. but I have right. to go anyway. Yeah. And she kind of flips yeah. it. Well, it's I so mean, significant. I do think she's going back. She shows some agency there, but she's going back. But she, it's so significant. She changes her name. Mm-hmm. True. You know, have you ever had something so significant, a season of grief or loss where sure. you're just like, old me's gone. I don't even know who I am anymore. Right. So disoriented. So she was still in that grief process. She's still yeah. there. And she. I think she stays in it, even though... For, uh, you see her later on, just the prompting. She's still aware. She's mm-hmm. with it. Hey, yeah. you need to go, you know, Ruth, you need to go, you know, make yourself available to Boaz. So she's there. I just think it's such a, to me, the beauty of this part right here is Ruth commits herself yeah. to a person who is deeply embittered. Sure. Right. That, right. I mean, that is right. the exemplary. Right. I, that's, I think, I'll, I mean, all of those things are, because I think Naomi is in, both of those places at the same time as I people too. can be, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's I'm good. still committed to God, but that's good. I'm bitter against him. And, you know, she changes her name, but then she sort of changes it back. I mean, yeah. like, like right. don't mm-hmm. came, call me Naomi, but she's Naomi by the end of the story. Yeah. Um, she probably has these emotions like we do, absolutely. just absolutely yeah. a roller coaster, yeah. you right. know? I mean, she pushes right. forward and, not, and goes back. And but... there's actually one more cause of bitterness as they lived their 10 years and didn't have any grandkids right oh, yeah. right so the, their daughters and have been married barren. for 10 years and so it's like you know god's got nothing for me um and so there's this sense of naomi is this follower of god but very sort of imperfect follower enough that ruth knows enough to make this commitment mm-hmm. uh and yet obviously is just very sort of conflicted and imperfect herself. I'm sorry, but this is such a, to me, especially for today, sorry to interrupt you, but this is such a significant lesson, I think, that nobody is any one thing. Right, Mm -hmm. that's right. Nobody is any one thing, you know, and there's such a tendency today to polarize people so quickly of, you can be this race or this gender or this sexuality, but also emotionally or faithfulness. So you can be this type of Christian or that. And there's just this tendency to lump people right. into one box. She's right. bitter. She's mm-hmm. this, so that's her name. And she but that's, doesn't she's believe in God. She's not only that. Right. Yeah. Only yeah. that. I mean, right. she was right. attractive to Ruth. Yes. I mean, obviously, yeah. right. her God right. was attracted to Ruth. Right. No, that's right. Naomi has, you know, gets credit for that and that's God right. as well. But right. and both things can be true. I mean, both yeah, things, both can things can be true. true. Like her bitterness doesn't disqualify her from God's blessing. Um, and I do think that that's in the midst of all of that, Ruth makes this remarkable commitment. Um, and it's a commitment, I mean, based almost it's, it's a commitment by faith. It's not, you know, we've talked about transactional or transactional relationship with God or transactional relationship with the truth or transactional relationship with the church. There, there's nothing she appears to be getting from this. She appears to be making this commitment at great cost to her. She's only getting God. She's only getting to stay, go with God's people, identify with God's people mm-hmm. and be, and, and she's, there's no, like, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get a husband. I'm mm-hmm. going to have kids. I mean, probably her chances of all of that's better if she stays. And so it's this sort of, I'm not, I'm risking everything. And that seems like there's an element of faith that perhaps we 
gloss over of, of I've got to sort of I've got to sort of make myself vulnerable and sort of risk. Otherwise, is there really faith right. involved? Right. 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 If I can, if I've got it all planned out to the T, then I'm not sure faith is required. And that's what it's such a model of faith that mm-hmm. she didn't waver. No, I mean it's comp- It's until I, and I'm dying with you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to be with you and your people and your God, and I'm dying there. That's all I know. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty, in our culture where we're sort of always reevaluating whether we're, is this still a good deal? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, one foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, oh, I don't know what I think about that anymore because I thought I was going to get this out of it. Um, and you don't see that at all uh, in Ruth. Um, and obviously that's, part of that's obviously God moving to bring her to that point that's almost against the grain, against the flow of the story. And uh, so as the story advances, they get back to Bethlehem and she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which is my bitter because God's hand is against me. Um, which was probably an awkward moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Naomi. Right. <laughs> no. Mara. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they're back and, um, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, she sends Ruth out to glean uh, in the field. So um, what is that? What is gleaning in the fields? Anyone? You guys both finished seminary since I have, so. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty trick. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you go out into the field, someone's field, and you get the leftovers. All right. So. so it was a semi-formal, actually more than semi-formal, it was sort of written into the, to the law. Where, yeah, it's definitely in Levitical law yeah, that right. the people of God, when they harvested and gathered their crops, left some mm-hmm. for the foreigner yeah. mm-hmm. that was going to be in their midst. Right. And right. so you have Boaz, whose name can be translated a few different ways, swiftness or strength or strength is within him, but the description is... Um, probably has way more depth and layers as he's a worthy man. Mm-hmm. And that can mean probably 10 to 11 different things in mm-hmm. the Old Testament. He's, he's probably well off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot of people working mm-hmm. for got him. a big agricultural operation. Big agri- yeah, yeah, but he's also has integrity. He's mm-hmm. honorable. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's business savvy, all of mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. So he's got a field and, and you get the, the first impression of him as he's in the midst of the time of the judges, he's still being faithful to Torah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's still being faithful. He's allowing people to come glean from his mm-hmm. fields right. to provide. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, is amazing because part of the whole book of Ruth is about God's provision, right? Mm-hmm. Is what he's yeah. doing, and he engages with them as well, yeah. you know, even his workers. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, he notices. So first of all, I guess Ruth goes out. She doesn't know Boaz is out there. She just goes out, and God, you know. God's providence takes her to this field, uh, and it's and it's Boaz, and she's gleaning. So yeah, if the harvesters leave some behind or drop some, like I say, actually, if they drop some, you're not supposed to pick it up. You're supposed to leave that for the gleaners, right? And so it was right. a way of it was sort of a wealth social welfare program, uh, early social welfare program. It's like you can take care of the poor, um, and Boaz notices her and knows who she is or ascertains who she is, and. And basically tells the workers, leave extra, mm-hmm. leave, right. leave, behind, leave some behind on purpose mm-hmm. and, you know, gives her some grain uh, to go home with and take some for, 
for Naomi. And she's like, what, you know, basically, what's this all about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does know who she is. He does. Yeah. yeah he, the workers tell her, right. tell him. I There's think. a new gleaner in the field. New right. gleaner in the field. Right. Swipe and who right. Is she? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he swipes right, eventually. So Ruth uh, 2, starting in verse 11, Boaz replied. So she's asking, like, why, why are you so nice to me? I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So obviously, Boaz not only believes in the Lord in some sort of formal outward sense, that he's, you know, he, he, he believes that the Lord is the one who will reward, take care of, keep you under his wings. And there's a sense you know, you begin to get this sense of redemption in the story that this is a gracious act of from Boaz. I don't know that he thinks maybe someday I'll marry her at this point. <laughs> right. Um, but he becomes the vessel yes. which God uses right. to protect her and right. take and you, refuge. So you begin to see this is maybe another movement that God's been working all along and stringing these pearls together towards redemption. Um, and... One, one of the things that strikes me, I guess, is there's a couple of things that maybe to dwell on here. But, you know, Ruth has to sort of keep acting in faith. Like she acts in faith, I'm going to go with you. And then Naomi says, go out into the fields and start gleaning. Well, that's probably not that easy to do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that takes some courage, some risk, some vulnerability. You're alone. You're a woman alone. Um, and... It, it, or it, she has to kind of keep doing, keep putting herself out, out there. there. And every time she does, it allow, it kind of gives God another open door to, for redemption, for grace, for movement. Um, and there's a, it seems like there's a li- bit of a contrast because at this point in the story, I think Naomi is still sort of, you know, I don't know what she's doing. Um, she's not gleaning. It doesn't appear. Um, and is that is she sort of waiting for God to do something while she's not moving, and Ruth is just moving forward in faith, and and then all sorts of doors open for, you know, am I reading too much into it? What do you think of that theory? I don't know. Maybe I mean Ruth is being an example to Naomi yeah. as much as Naomi right. an example this to point Ruth in the story. at this yeah. point in the story. Yeah. Right. I mean she's going out there, but in the same. Uh, way you know Ruth is doing everything that Naomi, Naomi says, asked her right. to do yeah. I mean to the letter mm-hmm. so there's some trust built there so we don't know if Naomi's able I mean she did walk all the way home which is far I think mm-hmm. um, yeah we, but don't, we know. don't know I think she's yeah. older but I don't know how much older yeah I just I wonder I mean I, in order like I think sometimes we can I'm bitter God's been against me you know so basically my story's written Maybe you can go have a story. Yeah. Or take it, care of me. Or take it. But it turns <laughs> yeah. out her story's not written. Right. Yeah. And it almost takes two or three acts of faith of Ruth, the, the Naomi, to go, oh, wait a minute. Maybe God is, you know, maybe something's happening here. Mm-hmm. And she almost gets blessed, maybe in spite of, you know, her bitterness. Um, and I wonder if we can we put ourselves in the position of, well, you know, my story's written, or I don't disbelieve in God. I don't disbelieve in redemption. I'm just out because, right? Yeah. So what is it? I think, I think, you know, 
for people who've lived a little bit of life, that can be a temptation. Um, what is it that wakes people up from that? What is it that, uh, if you are stuck in the victim narrative or your the temptation is just to sit on the side and maybe watch, um, what wakes people up from that? What gets them taking responsibility for their story? Mm-hmm. It becomes more uncomfortable to stay where they are, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so sometimes um, it's, times. it's either, I think, other either something bad or something good. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but if it's something good, it's often God graciously intervening seemingly out of nowhere. Right. Uh, and God's saying, yeah, I haven't, I'm not going to let you sit there and cross your arms and, you know, hold your breath and whatever. I'm going to come in and, uh, and show you grace and, uh, I, I don't know that. I think I can identify with both parts of the story where there's times where I'm just like, well, this doesn't seem like it's working anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait and see what God does. Uh, and then there's other times where, okay, I've got to move forward. Step out in faith. Step out in order, and that opens a door that I didn't know was there yeah. for God to bring grace in from. And so it's not like my choice made it happen, but my act in faith opened a door for Mm -hmm. god to bless and he was just waiting he was just waiting for me to you know just move just Mm -hmm. any movement at all Mm -hmm. right uh and i'll be there and uh and ruth definitely moved yeah i mean she she kept i mean she kept kept moving moving and at every turn yeah she was blessed yeah and naomi observed it and thought "Ooh, i think so i think that's right ruth becomes the encouragement, the catalyst for Naomi's faith to sort of her bitterness to melt away maybe mm-hmm. and, and wake back up again. And, um, and so, and then we do get a glimpse of, I think when she, Ruth comes home, Hey, I was in this field of Boaz and, uh, and, uh, Naomi says, well, that's a relative of ours. Stay with him. If you go in somebody else's field, you might get assaulted. So there is a sense of it's pretty, it might be pretty wild out mm-hmm. there. It's pretty unsafe. Uh, and God has provided by, if, if nothing else, here's a safe place to glean. Mm-hmm. And even that was maybe more than I was expecting. And Naomi knew that Boaz was Ken. So for Ruth to come back to Naomi and tell her who's I you said field- Ken, like Ken and Barbie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did she Ken, know he K-I-N. was real name was Ken? <laughs> You know, I I didn't learn that in school, but I'm not saying you're wrong. Was related to your husband. Um, No, I totally lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, No, so when she came back and said she was when did they use that word in the like the fifties? I am old. Um, She went back and told Naomi that you know whose field she was gleaning in, which was Boaz, and. Naomi had to think, oh, wow. This could is, it be? Could it be? Yeah. Yeah. I maybe have hope again. Right. You God almost is see the, working. God is. Yeah. yeah. She had to have an aha, aha moment. The, bo- the both and again of the complexity of people mm-hmm. that she, you almost can view her too. I, she definitely still has the bitterness, but she's almost coaching like, hey, okay, you like, here's the strategy for us. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what right. needs to happen. Right. And I know he's a kin, 
Kinsman Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dad, I said Ken. <laughs> Look what you started. Ken. I know. I know he's your Ken, Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Ken over there. Boaz is the new Ken. <laughs> oh, see what you did, Susan. See what it's you did. All her fault. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah, and thanks for dressing up, by the way, for the podcast. No uh, so, but, but I, you know, almost. Um, I'm also going to have a, somewhat of a role here. Uh, yeah yeah maybe in, it's in time strategy. for me to move like yeah right. maybe i should do yeah, something what is she here. thinking yeah. at this point right yeah. you know yeah, and yeah i do feel like there's a hopeful stirring of maybe my life isn't over maybe maybe god is going to provide maybe mm-hmm. something um you know boaz says you know may god may, may god ref you know find refuge under his mm-hmm. wings maybe he richly reward you and so he's pronouncing this blessing on and he becomes the fulfillment. I mean, God uses him as the fulfillment of the mm-hmm. blessing. That, uh, but I, you do have to think that there is a, there's this this ser- this chain of events that goes together so perfectly. And um, you know, Naomi's example brings Ruth, and, and and Ruth's commitment, in effect, is one of the things that helps Naomi eventually sort of reawaken to mm-hmm. God movement in her life and redemption, and uh, and so on. So. Um, so the kinsman redeemer, that, pro, that, that, that concept is, it's important that Boaz was related to Naomi's husband because he could then have the ability to sense Mary into the family to keep the line going. You know, so that was the, that was the potential she was thinking of. He might, this might happen and we'd have a, we'd be a family again. He'd marry you and, and buy the land and. Maybe the line will continue. And so um, that's what she basically encourages Ruth to sort of take out, take that step and go go out. And um, you, there's obviously a lot of cultural stuff going on in that story we don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but wait till he's on the threshing floor. So they're threshing the grain and getting the grain out of the stalks and all that stuff. Wait till that's all done. Wait until he's had his dinner and he's laid down to, to sleep, you know, uh, wash and put on perfume and put on good clothes right. and, you know, make yourself presentable. So it's almost like he's, she's not grieving anymore. Yeah. She's, yeah. That's right. She's, know, that's right. I feel like there. this sense of, okay, let's, let's do this now. Right, let's, you know, right. This is happening. She, this is happening. She now. takes off the grieving. Though. Um, and so go down, lay down at Boaz's feet and uncover his feet, uh, which. It's pretty weird. Uh, <laughs> wait that's not that's that not what happened you to you guys <laughs> that's not what you do? Um, which he knows means sort of like a marriage proposal because he's like uh when he wakes up and she's there he's like well you're doing me now boaz says to her you're doing me this great kindness uh, you didn't mm-hmm. have to come yep. you could have gotten some other younger guy now you're doing me this great kindness to off by offering yourself a marriage to me Right. So right. She's proposing to him, right? That's right. Yeah, so so, that's, yeah, I mean, that's so riff on that, Susan, for a minute. Like what's <laughs> no, going just, on with you know, Naomi that, and Ruth here to Boaz? I don't know. I mean, I think that was so like against the cultural norm. Um, yeah, that, I, that's right. And so therefore everything is, I mean, she's yes. a foreigner, you know, she's, she's really putting herself out here. She's now. really putting herself I mean, out. She she's, could have been humiliated. Right. Right. He could have right. woken up and he's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Get her out of here. It's a really vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Position. And so that to me, the sense of, again, the, one of the lessons I get upon rereading the story is that, you know, f- 
acting and living in faith is going to involve risk yes. and vulnerability and the risk of falling in your face and being humiliated and right. it's not safe but in doing that you open up the door for god to bless you in this huge way unexpected mm -hmm. that's way. why i'm here <laughs> <laughs> so I can be humiliated and get that's, that's literally why you're that's here. So we can, we're here to bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that's worth perfectly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I just no, couldn't like resist that one. Um, no, but yeah, it's fine. it was don't, really don't vulnerable. Apologize. <laughs> it's right on the money. But I mean, how many times through this story have you talked about the risks she's taking? Yeah, and and yet it seemed like that's what was necessary. Absolutely. And how many yeah. times we are not willing to take that risk because we have fear that grips us so greatly mm -hmm. for whatever reason, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like and, fear, what you, fear and, of what? And ten, yeah, exactly. An internal fear of, you know, it depends on, you know, what our story is and our history and all of that. But whether it's fear of pain, fear of rejection, which in this case, obviously it's fear of rejection or not being provided for. I mean, this is so unknown to her what's going to happen. Even, you know, what she's doing at the threshing floor, you know, uncovering his feet. You really think right. she was familiar with that until right. Naomi told right. her, and she was right. probably thinking, "What?" Right. But yeah. she trusted Naomi. She trusted where she was. You know, she was. Um, she took the risk. Yeah, that's why I love the story. Is there's so much to talk about, but they're out of the box, mm -hmm. and God's there. Mm -hmm. And right. I think for me, and sometimes for evangelical Christianity. There's just a, such a narrow view of how God needs to work and mm -hmm. how God, this is the only conduit or the only norm or method that God's going to do. Or he did like, he worked like this with me, so it has to be like this with you. Right. And she's off script. This she is an is. off script move. Mm -hmm. um, it's counter cultural. It's counter uh, Bible culture. She's sure. going and basically saying, I'm making myself, I'm taking initiative to make myself known to you for marriage. And mm -hmm. is that in anywhere else in the Bible? Right. I don't think so. I don't so. think, I don't so. think yeah. it is. No. Yeah. I think that it's that, I almost wonder, and this is kind of what I've been, I guess, repondering, because I keep kind of coming back to the same few notes of, can we really live a life of faith and stay in the box? Yeah. And I don't, I think the answer is probably not, probably you know, not. there's a sense that I think God wants us to trust him, like almost above everything else. Um, you know, if that's you, tell me to get out of the boat and, you know, get out of the boat. And it's, just, you know, what's the point of getting out of the boat? Boat. It's, I want to demonstrate that I believe it's you. And there's something about that, 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 you know, th that goes back to Ruth's original commitment and that every action she takes going forward is sort of out of the box, but it's sort of like, okay, this is now who I am. This is, I'm now one of God's people. I'm now in this world. This is now my God. Naomi is telling me to do this. It seems crazy, mm -hmm. but I'm just doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then God's just blessing in a crazy sort of way, right. right? And another thing that struck me, and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it's like in the New Testament, you hear about the people being grafted in mm -hmm. to the family yeah. of mm -hmm. God. Romans. You know, the, the right the Gentiles, mm -hmm. and she was a foreigner. And I have this picture of, oh, in the Old Testament, she was grafted in yeah. as well. Is, yeah. is that No, right? I think I think that was, 
the intent though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think all it was, along it was all never along. really the intent that God's people were going to remain ethnically pure. They were going to mm-hmm. be a light to the nations. And they had this this way to assimilate people who weren't born Jews into the community. It just didn't happen very often no. because they just weren't super good lights. I it think. was always right. a missional plan. Yeah. That was always the plan. And so in a sense, there's not this huge dichotomy between God's people in the Old Testament and God's people now. And I do think that sort of, that um, here's somebody who was a foreigner who was welcomed, you know, there was hospitality shown. Mm-hmm. There was, they, you know, they put themselves out to take care of this person, even though she was a foreigner coming to their land. And, and because, you know, she's now identifying with them, even though she's, I mean, she's a different nationality. She's a different, mm-hmm. she's a foreigner. Mm-hmm. She's an immigrant to that land. Uh, and they're welcoming her and so on. And then she becomes, uh, as we see as the story ends, she's on the line of David, on the line of the Savior. And um, yeah, you guys mentioned it before we started that Boaz is, Boaz's mother is Rahab. Yes. So another foreigner, a prostitute. Um, you know, we don't know what effect that had on Boaz's view of Ruth, mm-hmm. but the sense of that here's now these two foreigners that are right in the right in the genealogy of David, right in the plan of God, genealogy of David and of Jesus. And it's sort of a picture for us of when she makes the commitment, she's one of God's people as if she was born Mm -hmm. there, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, as Paul says, neither Jew nor Greek, slave to free, male or female. And now we're in this new community. That's our new identity. Mm. Yeah. It's Um, beautiful. Yeah, it is. And I think that's um, our culture divides up in a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a hundred different, you know, continuums and there's poles at each end. And so it's young, old, it's, you know, millennial boomer, it's male, female, it's progressive, conservative, and politically, theologically, you know, in this sense of we have to c- claim one of the poles or some, and that becomes our identity. And I think that's what our culture is doing all the time. And I think we get pulled into that all the time. And this is a story, uh, just as it goes through the whole Bible, where identifying with God's people becomes our new identity. And mm-hmm. what used to be our identity, or other things about us, they're still true. I'm still our male, you know, Greek, whatever. But none of that matters anymore as much as this new identity is. I'm one of God's people. I'm, I'm part of this community now. And she's fully, I mean, she's married in. She's mm-hmm. marrying in. She's fully a part of the, uh, of the community. And it took her to take steps of faith yeah. for right. all that to happen. Yeah. And God used it. Moab, you know, through the time of the judges, I'm not, we're not exactly sure when this is happening, but Moab, you know, there was some conflict mm-hmm. you know, with the Moabites, right? Yeah. Yep. Might have been some hard feelings among some of the Israelites with some of the Moabites, but none of that comes up in the story. Like once she's in, she's in, which is a you know beautiful picture uh, for us. Um, okay, so Bo- Boaz has to go and dot all the I's and cross all the T's, 
right? And there's a very interesting. He had to go to the DMV of <laughs> marriage licenses. The license. It's never office. changed. It's always <laughs> the been title, you know, blessings whatever. on all you DMV people, but it's hard. But he had to, <laughs> but he had to take a sandal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because there was another potential closer relative, another potential redeemer that, in a sense, he had to have. Um, which is, you know, I think Boaz had to have the faith to go through and do it right instead of just, I'm just going to marry her. Yeah, I mean, that, that speaks again to mm-hmm. his integrity. It does. Yeah. Like, I have to offer the land and the Redeemer status and therefore Ruth to this other guy. But he didn't have to show who Ruth he, was. I don't think right. he probably showed a picture. <laughs> yeah, you don't show a picture, <laughs> show a picture. of this, the <laughs> young 20-year-old wife you're about to get. Bit, you know, you like, could have you know, her. You could have her, you know, if you, you want this land, you're going to have to marry Ruth. But. He did a hand drawing. Yeah. So this is what she looks like. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, it all works out. Yeah, yeah. all works out. <laughs> it all works out. Boaz gets the prize. Boaz yeah. gets the prize. Uh, they get married. Um, and Ruth 4, starting in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. The woman's, the women, so that's the women and Bethlehem, said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your own old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in, in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Mm. So it's, it seems it strikes me as an interesting end to the story mm-hmm. where the end of the story is almost now back to Naomi. Like it's almost about her. Mm-hmm. Like Ruth's story concludes she gets married. Uh, it does say the 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 Lord enabled her to conceive, which just seems like I don't know what that's implying. Right? Maybe they couldn't. Maybe right. they couldn't. Something. Well, she before. was didn't she was have barren a child before. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. um, but then now it's like. Naomi's story has now come full circle Mm -hmm. where this is really about the Lord wanted to bless Naomi all along. Right. Right. And uh, you've got this, you know, has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Um, You know, may he become famous throughout Israel. He'll renew your life and so on. Better than, you know, Ruth is better than seven sons, has given him birth. Um. And Naomi took the child into her arms, cared for him. It's almost like Ruth is almost moves off the stage. Mm-hmm. And now it's Naomi with the, child with the child again, which is just fascinating to me. Like right. it's, it speaks of who God is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, don't, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. And here we are, I don't know, a year later, maybe. Yeah. And she's blessed. And, um, you know, God didn't say, well, fine, if you want to be bitter, I'm not going to bless you. (laughs) And that's somehow, I think, what we think. Like, I don't want to tell God I'm bitter because, you know, he might get mad at me as if he doesn't know. Um, But really, she was being honest. She was being honest. She was being honest. She was being honest. Yeah. Right. Um, And then we see this, you know, father of Jesse, father of David, who then, you know, the David is the great king and... uh, and Jesus comes from that line. So, final thoughts. Um, what 
Um, what about um, what about the story? Um, like I reading the story again because I've you know read it before. Uh, reading the story again, I see this sense of risk and vulnerability, and and you know having to st- sort of step forward in that opening door for God's blessing. Um, is there something that sort of struck you about, and then even the, the whole Naomi? that almost God blessed her in spite of her or through her bitterness or around her bitterness. Like he wasn't, her bitterness didn't stop him mm-hmm. from, you know, blessing her. So, you know, I don't know thoughts that what, what, what resonated with you? Um, um, I think probably the most significant thing that resonated with me was um, the risk that mm-hmm. Ruth took the commitment she was unwavering in it. Yeah. She had so much love and compassion for um, Naomi and trust that she did yeah. whatever she was told yeah. and um, it paid off. Yeah. And also in the story, I mean, just God's hand, despite all the circumstances, I mean, he brought everything together Yeah. yeah. and a beautiful yeah. picture and it points to kingship and Mm -hmm. what's to come and King David and ultimately Jesus. I mean, nothing thwarts what he is going to do. And in the same way, he does it through, I believe Naomi was a faithful servant Mm -hmm. in that she seemed to teach Ruth and um, her family right. about God mm-hmm. and who he was so much so that Ruth she was attracted to that. Right. Um, and so just, you know, seeing, even though she might've lost faith or became bitter, God's saying, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm with right. you. I see yeah. what you've mm-hmm. done, you know, yeah. don't lose yeah. hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and he used women, foreign women yeah. to do yeah. it, which yeah. speaks to me. You know, so much so, these women, he even put in the genealogy of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, you see that, that the women here, Boaz plays a significant role, but they're driving the plot. Their actions Mm -hmm. and faithfulness are driving Mm -hmm. the plot forward. They're the drivers of the story, the way they act and and move and maneuver and take initiative to... Uh, to not be passive is a lesson for all of us, really, regardless of male or female. And I, I do have to say something that stuck with me, I think, when you um, taught on Deborah, and I don't remember if it was in the podcast or in the sermon, but you spoke about there might not be women in a in a leadership position, mm-hmm. but they do have influence. Sure. And mm-hmm. I think that is very true. Well, you talk about powerless here in this story. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. look at the influence. Right. So I think that was it a changes big, the huge... course of history, really. But they have no political, right. financial, social, cultural no sway at all. You know, yeah. status. And yet they have, I mean, ultimately, here we are thousands of years later talking about their faithfulness because mm-hmm. God used them. And, and I think that's interesting in that in this dark time, everything just we can look at the meta story and think mm-hmm. man things are bad right god's moving god's redeeming he's still faithful he's still gracious and i think that's happening now and a hundred stories that we can't see yeah we might look at the world and say everything's bad but god's moving mm-hmm. god's faithful that's god's what gracious. that's what for me is the most significant is in the meta conversation 
If you're watching a movie on Judges and all of a sudden in the middle, you drop Ruth in the middle of the movie Mm -hmm. and you see this story because it takes place somewhere in the book of Judges that you see this, you're like, to me, it confronts me with hope or despair really comes down to what kind of person I am Mm -hmm. and what am I choosing to see? I can choose to see... Because the perception that people want to paint is things are getting worse and it's getting worse. And if you look at the news, that's all it's going to paint. Of course, it's all going bad. But there is this kernel of hope, Mm -hmm. and it's a strong kernel. Mm -hmm. If you read the story of the book of Ruth, that, no, I can can choose to see with eyes of faith, God is... God is being faithful to his promises, even when the, his people want to thwart his right. promises, right. he's yeah. still going to yep. be faithful yeah. right. in the middle of right. that. And there's hope. Yeah. And so I can look at the meta story and tell myself a victim story. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, world's going to heck and I'm just, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to watch TV. Um, or we can be like Naomi and Ruth that acted one step at a time in faith and God brings this huge blessing in the midst of this negative story. And I almost wonder if this sort of, outsider status it was almost necessary it's almost as if god's people were mm-hmm. sort of yeah mm-hmm. they, they fumbled were, it, yeah, yeah they were in a place of well, they, they can't were, use you they weren't <laughs> moving the ball forward no. and that's right. right i mean god's like i'm i'm not god's not thwarted if right. you people aren't going to do it watch i'm going to go find somebody watch this <laughs> right absolutely that's what he does and so um so yeah god's mission is going to go forward the question is what part do we want to play in it and Right. You know, Ruth and Naomi are right in the center of it. So, well, I think that's plenty. Um, right. Thank you so much, Susan. Mm, thank you for, for having me. Contribution. Uh, and we're going to start a new series uh, next week called Welcome Home and talk about uh, whatever that's going to be about. <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't really know at the moment, but it'll be good. Super good. Uh, <laughs> Send us off, Chad. And we're off. And we're off. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church media production podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.